Keith, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Thank you. Appreciate a couple of minutes. Uh, the book comes out, as I told everybody, uh, May 15th, Little Brown and Company. So, obviously, this is, I don't know if it's been a long day of interviews, but you got to do a lot of interviews for books. So, are you in the beginning or in the middle or just uh, or the end phase of doing all your interviews? I am in the beginning. Okay. Uh, this is the second day of the radio interviews. So, uh, all next week, I'm slammed. All right, here we go. Uh Couple of things that grab me just uh, just stream of consciousness, Keith. Guys who influenced you early, people here. The good part is they all know your career so well, so no one needs to go through what you accomplished. Everyone understands that. The role your father played. Yes. Well, obviously, I'm a prodigy, am I not? And uh, he was an ex minor league player. He was a, a great player in the in the Bay Area, which was steeped in uh, baseball tradition, DiMaggio, Gil McDougal, all the guys that came out of San Francisco back in the Depression and in that era and after. It was a great baseball town. My dad was a heck of a ball player, uh, great fielding first baseman, uh, left-hand thrower, and he got hit in the head. He was drafted by the Brooklyn Dodgers. Before the war, uh, got hit in the head his first year, and it gradually his eyes deteriorated. There was no helmets back in those days. And um, during the war, he served over in the Navy in Pearl Harbor and played on the Navy team, and he learned the art of hitting from Cookie Lavagetto. He said Cookie he never Lavagetto. learned. Yes, he was yeah. one of the original uh, Met, Met coaches. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, he said that his tenure there, his four years or five years in service, uh, he playing on that Navy team, he learned more about hitting from Cookie Lavagetto. And uh, he absorbed all that, and it was in, taught, ingrained in us, my brother and I. He, got, he sawed off a Little League bat when we were, I was five years old, and made the bat, honed the bat on a lathe, so it was always felt that the bat, we had to handle the bat. The bat shouldn't handle us. And uh, started throwing tennis balls in front of the garage door. And then as we got older, he was our coach in uh, Little League uh, from eight years old through 12. And then into Pony League, which was 13 to 14. And then Joe DiMaggio uh, through high school. And uh, when I got in high school and he had to start losing control, he started panicking. Uh, it's a very interesting story in the book after my MVP year uh, and uh, my batting title. I came home to play the Giants in 1980 in late May, first trip on the West Coast, and I walk into the house. It's in the book, and he had the projector all set up, the old projector with the, spiel, the roll, the spiels, and the old high school screen where you rolled it up, and he had all the curtains already drawn and before I can I hadn't seen him since Christmas and um, you know hello how are you hi mom hi Gar and dad goes here I want you to show you this and he says I want you to know this is when I knew you had you had something special and I wasn't going to let you blow it so I'm thinking okay my mom always took vivid film of us dad would have mom take film of us from we're left hand hitters from the third base dugout was dad threw BP to us and we would get the film developed, and we would go over it, and Dad would critique our swings and blah, 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 blah. So he runs, he runs the film, 
and it's my 11-year-old year in Little League. And I must say, it was a pretty impressive swing. And he said, this is when I knew you had it, and I wasn't going to let you blow it. How good is that? So, so he knew at we, that age, which is unbelievable. Yes. But he said that I knew Gary didn't have it. Anything that Gary did, my older brother, I, he, I was proud of him, but I knew he didn't have it. You, you had, uh, Gary was more laid back. I was always uh, competitive, ants in my pants, uh, just always had the drive. And um, he just said that was it. So, obviously, I don't want to say it was a love-hate relationship. It certainly was a love relationship. But it, hate is too strong a word, way too strong a word. It was just a lot of love and anger. And uh, he just wouldn't relent and uh, lived it, I guess, basically lived his, his life vicariously, vicariously through my career. And uh, he just wouldn't let go, and so we had a lot of problems with that. And I think it's it's uh, it's 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 in the book. I've had great parents, Mike. I just don't want anybody to think I'm bashing my father. Uh, he did a great job. He grew up in a very loving home. Uh, my dad was always home, never went out. They were married forever, and um, grew up in a stable family. And everything was for the kids, and and uh, everything revolved around sports. <clears throat> but uh, it got to be a problem when. You know, I became a man, and uh, he didn't have us to teach anymore. I guess it was a big void in his life. You right. know, and he lost control, as you said. It was, uh, and you brought it up a couple times with the car incident about driving back and all the different things. Yep. You know, you also you made it. You you go on and a pine in the book. We're talking with Keith Hernandez. The book, I'm um, Keith Hernandez, Little Brown Company, comes out. Uh, the release is uh, May fifteenth, this uh, Tuesday. You talk about. How guys now get judged, how a guy who never played is in the Ivy League, he says, drop this guy, and he's never seen him play, and it goes down the line and logarithms and, and, and everything that's going on in sports now, and we all know what's going on. We all know how it's being done. And then you bring up the point of Bob Kennedy and how Bob Kennedy, when you're struggling, instead of dropping you in the minor leagues, elevates you in the minor leagues, which yep. you think made all the difference. It turned my career around, and... Uh... Bob Kennedy Sr. was also the center fielder for the Cleveland Indians, I believe, in the 50s, and he was our farm director, <clears throat> a baseball guy. Um, I, you know, I, when you get out of high school, you hit 500. You know, you're all everything. You play twice, three times a week back in those days. And then all of a sudden you go to, you go to play professional baseball, and you play every day, and that is a big adjustment. And you're not going to hit 500. It took me a long time to learn to play every day. I was a hothead. I hit 256 in um, in A ball uh, in St. Pete in the Florida State League. The next year, I uh, hit 260 in Double A. I started out really bad, which was kind of kind of became a trademark for me. I was 19 years old in Texas League in Little Rock. I was hitting like 170, and geez, I was just going out of my mind. And then I got hot. And it took me around um, what seemed like a three months, but actually probably around five weeks or, or a, of, of hitting the ball good where I got my average up uh, to 300. And I remember it was so hot in the Little Rock that summer. I'll never forget it. We always played Sunday day doubleheaders, and I had a six-for-eight doubleheader and raised my average to 301. I went home. I took a bath. And everything just came out of me. I, and I went within 
within two weeks, I was down to 260, and that's when Bob Kennedy called me up he, uh, to Tulsa. I went up to Tulsa. I drove my car up, packed up my stuff, and uh, actually, I met the team in Wichita. Had to go back to Little Rock, get my car. But the weather was a little cooler, a little more wind, and um, it turned my career around. I went up there, Jack Kroll was the manager, and he called me in the office and said, they must have known I was just a nut, a basket case. And he just said, Keith, we're going nowhere. We're 10 games under five hundred. Uh, we're, we're out of it. You're going to play every day. Just go out and have fun. Do what, you, do what you can. We know you got it. Just have fun. Well, I hit 333 or whatever and drove in like 25 runs in 32 games, and we wind up winning the division the last day of the season and then go on to beat Iowa, the Iowa Oaks, which is the White Sox, in, in, in seven games in the, in, in the American Association Championship. And that turned my career around. I see Bob Kennedy years later after I'm established, and I said, Bob, what, why did you send me up? He said, Keith, if I'd have sent you down, it would have destroyed you. It would have been failure. I knew that you had it. If I had kept you in Little Rock, I knew you were dying on the vine there. So I said, I just, I sent you up. And that's how it all happened. That's a, a, smart, baseball baseball, a smart baseball I, guy. That's a, yep. a guy who feels now, it and gets it. Yeah. Now, analytics today, if yep. it's all on paper. And yep. I tell you what, I'm coming around to edit. Analytics, analytics is a very useful tool. No question. Uh, you know, and uh, there's a lot of good out of it. But someone that's not a baseball guy would have sent me down. It might have been, might have been the end for me. You know, I might have been looking for a job. Fascinating. We're talking with Keith Hernandez. I'm Keith Hernandez. I, I, I know I have limited time. So give me a couple of quickies on this so I can get to a lot of stuff. Number one. Two guys who were very important to you, very prominent players, Lou Brock, Ken Boyer. Give me a word on why they were so, both so important to you. Uh, Ken Boyer, because I looked up to him so much. He was my minor league, uh, Tulsa and AAA was my manager. Um, he saw me play, fortunately. It's like Davey Johnson when he managed the Mets. He came up, he was at Tidewater. He saw Doc, he saw Darrell. He managed Lenny Dykstra, He Wally Backman. So when he took over the team... He knew it's the same thing that happened to me. So he, Davey, had faith in them because he managed them in, in the AAA level. If it had been someone from the outside, it may not have happened. Particularly for Wally Back, Lou Brock. For me, it was Boyer. Boyer takes over yep. the helm in '79, and I off, I'm off a bad year, and I'm hitting 230 at the end of April, and he comes up to me and says, "Hey, you're my first baseman. I know you can play. Uh, I'm going to lose my job. Sink or swim with you." I go on. From that point on, I hit around 370 the rest of the year wow. and win the batting title. So that's Boyer. Uh, Lou, when I got to the big leagues, was my second daddy. He just, um, he was an extraordinary man. Great player, uh, too. Yeah. He just, he had, you had Gibson, who was the bad cop, was yep. tough, old school. Yep. I was a plebe, and you had Lou, who was the soft guy. When your vision of defense, when did you realize, or what is it that made you so special on defense? My father always said that you got to play both ends of the field. And he goes, you know, if you're just a hitter, you're going to go in slumps. And if you can't field, then you're in a slump. You're not going to help your team, and you might get benched. The manager's more inclined to sit you down. If you can play defense, that manager's going to keep you in the lineup, particularly at first base, which gets most of the action outside of the catcher. And uh, he taught us to, uh, the proper fundamentals, hit us ground balls. I loved taking ground balls every day. I just, 
even throughout my career as an adult, uh, let alone as a kid. It's just something I love to do. I took it very seriously, and it was just ingrained in me by father. How did you morph into being so aggressive as far as your ability to, you know, turn the double play, to, to field the bunt? Did you, were you always that aggressive, or did you become that aggressive? I couldn't be that aggressive on AstroTurf, Mike, because they can bunt a ball hard by you. Um, but when I got on the grass, I was able to be more aggressive because the ball gets chewed up a little bit on the ground. Uh, that is a part of the game. I knew my dad taught me the basics, fundamentals, but I incorporated that into my game. That was part of my advancement as I became a professional. Because you're the most aggressive really first started. baseman I ever saw. You were the most yep. aggressive one I've ever seen. Well, I was a little, you know, looking back, I was a little crazy. I right. mean, I got right on top of those guys. Yep. But it was just fun. It's just I just had great fun with that. And I just wish that Mattingly had been in our league because, you know, Dom was such a great fielder. He really was. But yeah. there, was never any, there was never any bunts over in that league. No, he absolutely was. And I've seen a million of them. Wes Parker was great. Joe Pepitone, I'll give you a million of them. But you were the best. I mean, and you were instincts because you were so aggressive. All right, we're talking about Keith Hernandez. The book is I'm Keith Hernandez, Little Brown Company. It, it is uh, going to debut on the 15th, which is Tuesday. The World Series against the Brewers as a Cardinal, you struggled and then went crazy in the late games in that series. Tell me about what, yeah. what, tell me about the struggles. Tell me about what turned that series around for you. Oh boy. Uh, I turned it around for me. I tell you, uh, uh, we don't talk about the world series. The book kind of ends in 1980 because right. it's about my formative years. Right. There's a, there's a sequel. Well, there's your we sequel. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, if there is, uh, you know, there'll be uh, one. Yeah, I'm sure there. Should, I'm sure there should be. So that makes plenty of sense. But what about that World Series? Because you were great. In, I think you had seven hits in Game Six and Seven. Um, I went over fifteen the first uh, four games. I go to Milwaukee. I'm over twelve. Don Sutton was one of the great pitchers. Uh, Caldwell, left-hander, beat us the first game. Sinker slider. I hadn't faced him that much. And then Sutton came in, who was just, you know, 300 games. I never hit him great. And all of a sudden, I'm 0 for 8, and I felt the heat. I remember we flew to, up to Milwaukee for game 3, 4, and 5. I go into the hotel bar, and there's Lasorda, and I can just see Lasorda take a deep breath and go, Keith, you know, it's like I was an integral part of that team, and I looked terrible the first, first two, two games. And then the third game, I stunk it up. And then uh, I remember I was taking BP, and I – Willie was, McGee was hitting in front of me, uh, hitting in our group, excuse me, and I picked up his bat, and it just felt like a magic wand. And I said, Willie, can I take BP with your bat? Can I go and get one of yours? And he said, yeah. I went in there, and that bat just felt like a toothpick in my hand, and I was hitting ropes all over the field in BP. I was probably late in the season, and my bat was probably a little heavy. I needed to go down a half ounce because it was late, postseason. And <clears throat> game four, I hit, I went over four, I hit four rockets right at people. And I knew I was out. And then the next three games, I went uh, seven for 11 with uh, eight RBIs. I just killed it. Absolutely. Uh, so I, yeah. I used William McGee's bat the rest of my career. Is that true? The rest of your career? Uh, that rest of my career, I used that model and that, and that same uh, length. I went; it was a, it was a half a half inch smaller 
34 and a half instead of a 35. It was instead of a 33, it was a 32 and a half. And I used the same model the rest of my career. Did you enjoy playing or were you too hyper to enjoy playing? I did not enjoy the first World Series. I was so tense and tight. Uh, I remember when Bruce went out, Suter went out to close out the, the ninth inning in uh, Game 7 with a uh, three-run lead, I believe, pretty much in the book with Bruce. I had stomach cramps. I couldn't bend over and skid in the fielder position. My, 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 my stomach was tied in knots. Then in New York, in 86, I enjoyed that series more. But I did not like playing in Fenway. Uh, wind blew in from right field the whole series, and it was cold. Um, it was cold everywhere. But it never blew out to right, and that right center field fence looked like it was a mile away. And, you know, you got pesky pole over there, but I wasn't a pole hitter to wrap it around a foul pole. I was a gap hitter. And I just felt like a whole series I was hitting uphill. And uh, I didn't prefer, I did not have a great series. I just got a clutch, couple clutch hits late. You know, that's yep. really, otherwise I didn't do much. How about, go back earlier in your career now, and when did you realize you belong? I mean, you're up with the Cardinals, you're around great players. When did you first, did, was it early? Did it take you a long time? When did you realize you belonged? Well, that's the cold crux of the book. The book, Mike, even though it bounces around, it's not in chronological order. It ends at the end of April 1980, after my 79 MVP year, batting title year. I had had, I got sent down in 75, 76, I start the season, I get benched, I got off to a bad start. I play the second half of the season every day, hit 333, 77 comes with Vern Rapp, and I got to get, it's a new manager, and I got to get off to a good start, and I have a breakout year, hit 291-15 home runs, 91 RBIs, and I have my first good April. I'm on my way, I think. 78, I have a good first half, a very good first half, and I just, the second half fell apart for me. It just stunk. I wound up hitting 255. Then I go into 79, bad April. Winds up being my great year, MVP year. And so I come to camp in 1980, and Rick Hummel, we met the writer for the Post Dispatch, yeah. St. Louis, writes a column, uh, and it's true. Will a real Keith Hernandez stand up? I hadn't put two seasons back to back, and I felt that pressure. And it wasn't until that when I that season started, I had a great April, and when the when I got out of April. It was like the scarlet letter over my head. I got into May 1st. I was hitting around 3, whatever I was, 3.30. I was killing it. That's when I realized that I belonged on the same field with Pete Rose, Steve Garvey, Steve Carlton, Willie Stargell, you name it. I belonged on the field. And not only belonged on the field, but I was right there with them. And I was a major league player. Would you have been better in this era, or would this era have been more of a struggle for you? I don't know. Um, the players are, you know, players walk around here two thirty. They think they're friggin' uh, pie trainer walking around. I'm hitting two thirty. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, holy cow! <laughs> I don't get it. If I'm hitting three two thirty, I'm I'm not feeling very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little wobbly with the knees. Um, I. I think as a veteran today, I mean, the league is such a, it's such a breaking ball league now, an off-speed league. I mean, 
I watch every day. Two and oh, three and one. I was a good off-speed hitter. You know, shoot. That's all they do. They don't want to challenge. They don't challenge guys enough today. Nope. I'd, I would feast on that. Now, whether I would come up and be an instant star, I don't know. All right, couple of minutes. The book, May 15th, is going to do very well. We know that. I'm Keith Hernandez, Little Brown and Company. I've only been, I'm only, I got it last night, so I'm only about 100 pages in. Uh, um, I'll finish the rest because it's, Keith's very interesting, and it's not a typical baseball book, which he said he didn't want to write. You, you dedicated the book to your brother, and you talked about how much he means to you. It's an interesting relationship, just yes. you and your brother. Uh, tell, me, tell me a sentence or, or a, a two about your brother. Uh, very loving, very giving, complete opposite of me. Uh, if Gary had been the one that was blessed with all the ability and made it, and I was busting my tail and didn't have the ability to make it, I don't think I would have been as giving and maybe jealous Interesting. of him. There was never, never any jealousy. My number one fan uh, was there for me uh, whenever I was down. Uh, just, I, I can't, and my good luck charm. He would come on the West Coast trips with me, uh, and he'd come down to LA and San Diego, and he'd, and he'd watch, and I would just wear it out in front of him. He was just my good luck charm. That's, you know what, that's nice to hear. It's nice to hear, too, that he appreciates and, and is rooting for you and is your biggest fan, because that's nice to have in someone when, you know, who, you know, the other guy gets all the fame and all the attention and everything, so that's nice to hear. It really is very nice to hear, and uh, it takes a special brother to do that. A couple of things here before you go on the book. Now, now to the Mets. And uh, you always, you know, you always sh- shoot straight. Uh, it is... Is the manager right now, is, is Callaway a little overmatched right now? Is he struggling? Do you, uh, do you feel that as this has gotten tougher, the water's getting a little deeper, the lineup card and everything else that's going on, some of his decisions of late, uh, do you see anything in him that worries you? I think that what he's learning on the job, he's an American League guy that uh, was the DH, and it's much easier to manage. And uh, his bench coach, uh, DeSarcina, is also an American League guy. Um, it's a lot more to it. I mean, he told me uh, earlier in the year that there's a lot more to managing in the National League, obviously. I mean, it's, without the DH, there's a lot more to it. So I think in that regard... He's learning on the job. I mean, it's unfortunate that the lineup card got screwed up, and I admire him for taking the blame for it right. when really you know what happens. The yep. manager makes the lineup, and you know the, one of the coaches comes and puts the, yep. prints it out and puts it in the dugout, and that's yep. where it got screwed up. Right. So um, um, Sandy uh, Alderson hired him. He's in his corner. Uh, I think Sandy anticipated a uh, learning process. And uh, I don't think he's, he, I don't think he's in any danger. Um, I like him. He's very positive. Um, there's the players today. It's a generational thing. You, there, there's just um, I think it, I think it's good to have younger managers than the old school managers. I just don't think with today's player. Yeah, but they're good, coddling the players too cocktail. much. They're coddling the players too much. I agree. I agree. But it is what it is, Mike. What are you going to do? You know, they just fired the guy do? in Toronto in the NBA because he benched his star. I mean, you know, that's how the guy won 59 games and benched his star who was thinking up the court, and they fired the manager. They fired the coach. 
I yeah, mean, I, I, I mean, hear you. Um, and that's what you hear now is that these guys are more worried about their relationships and loving the players. How about asking the players to perform? They don't respond. I'm not down there. I don't think that they respond to criticism. I mean, when we played, I mean, I, I was a star on that net team. Davey chewed my butt out one time in New York, in Los Angeles. Just read me the riot act on the bench. I made a. a I, I crisscrossed the, the hit and run situation, and I always liked the opposite. I, we know it was a right hand hitter, so I had, uh, or was it a, it was a left hand hitter? So I instead of Ralph, the shortstop covering, I had right. a rally cover. The guy pulled the ball through the infield, first and third, and Davy just lit into me after the inning in front of everybody. I wasn't offended. I didn't go and call my agent. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go pout and, and lay down and die for him. I took it. I said, okay. I didn't realize that. I'll never do it again. I promise. Yeah, well, he was pissed at me. Well, that, listen, the guys, <laughs> and that's how managers and coaches are supposed to be. It's not that way anymore. It's really that that part of it has has changed a lot. I know you have to go do another interview, so I got to let you go. But uh, good luck with the okay. book. I'm sure it'll do very well, uh, and uh, hopefully the Mets give you something to watch because lately they've been just deadly, absolutely deadly. They really have been. They've been tough to watch. They really have. Well. It's a long way to go. Uh, the pitching in the back end of that rotation is terrible. Pick it up. Yeah, it's got to pick it up. Yeah. If those back three don't pick it up, it's going to be a tough year. Absolutely. Thanks. Good luck with the book. All right, thanks, Mike. Thank you, Keith. Keith Hernandez, uh, he's got to go anyway, but we have to get to Bill Simmons. But the book is I'm Keith Hernandez, Little Brown and Company, and the book comes out the 15th. We'll get to the update as we approach five, and then we'll chat with Bill Simmons right after that. 